Mike, Almighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellbird, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. Spellburn is back this week with a veritable potpourri of topics. That's right, we're doing some spring cleaning around here, and besides dusting off the artifacts, realigning the tomes on the shelves, and giving the old summoning circle a fresh coat of <clears throat> paint, it's also time to air out the mailbag. I'm Judge Jen, and with me tonight are Judge Julian. Hello. And Judge Jeff. Hello. And let's go ahead and leap on into Tavern Talk. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. Innkeeper, a drink of your most expensive. Tavern Talk. So, guys, what did we do in gaming this past week? Uh, Julian. Well, I ran a playtest for a Mutant Crawl Classics adventure that I'm working on called Hive of the Overmind, and uh, we had a lot of fun. It was uh, deadly as heck, so that was great. Um, <laughs> we, what level is it? It's a funnel, so okay. it's supposed to be deadly, um, but we, <laughs> ha- we had a great time, and they... They technically probably had a TPK on a fumbled artifact check uh, about about three quarters of the way through, but that's totally you know okay in my uh, book. So I, I uh, yeah, we had a good time. It was it was a great play test. I had uh, five players who engaged really well, and we had we had a, we had a lot of fun. Awesome. And next week. Uh, be running a playtest of Hive of the Overmind. <laughs> uh, are you going anywhere in specific to do that? Uh, no, this uh, that's this coming uh, um, weekend, and then I'm going to, of course, I'm going to North Texas RPG Con the following weekend, and uh, oh, but I'm running a whole slew of stuff, Bride of the Black Mance, and Teagle Man, the world tour of Teagle Manor continues, and... Uh, <laughs> We've got uh, some Nowhere City coming online, as well as uh, my original uh, D&D adventure, Cunning Crown of Magilscar. And what? there's one other thing that I can never remember. What is that? I don't think it's... Oh, I'm running uh, Boston Crawl uh, this time. So that's ah. my first uh, time running Boston Crawl at a convention. So uh, it's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to it. I think... I think running a ton of games at conventions this year, what I've learned is I'm not Brendan LaSalle. <laughs> yeah. You have a limit? Yeah. I may have. I may just have to accept fate and dis- despite taunting him, throw in the towel on that. Um, it was a worthy goal, but... Uh... Yeah, gotcha. And how about you, Jeff? Well, let's see. I am back from WayneCon. I went down to (laughs) Richmond, Virginia to hang out with a bunch of beardos and play some some board games. (laughs) Uh, To play some board games and some role-playing games. 
I've sat in and played with uh, Doug Kovacs on his Catastrophe Island 2. Edgar Johnson ran Spirit of 77. Hmm. Uh, I was in a Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers game run by Tim Deshane. And uh, Mike Evans ran his new game Death is the New Pink that he was playtesting. And I got to play in a Shadowrun game, and I hadn't been in a Shadowrun game since the 90s when I was a teenager. So it was pretty cool to check out that system again. And uh, we played some board games as well. Like I got to experience Cthulhu Wars and the Conan board game that was huge on Kickstarter. And I brought down Gloom with me, which is this cute little card game. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically the, the premise of the game is like you each have a family that you're responsible for. And you win by having every member of your family die as miserable as possible. <laughs> nice. I don't know, man. That's a little close to home. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. <laughs> you beat me to the punch. What can I say? I know my people. <laughs> no, Cthulhu Wars, was that um, the Cultist Wars? Is that Cults Across America? No, it is not Cults Across America. And the only reason I know that they're not the same thing is I saw that there was a box for a game called Cults Across America sitting there at WayneCon that nobody played. So that's how I know that they are two distinct separate games. Okay. <laughs> thought I'd ask. <laughs> no, Cthulhu Wars is kind of like Risk, except instead of having normal little pieces across the board, you have gigantic elder things that you're moving through Europe and Asia. Uh, and you can like summon, uh, I, I was playing Haster and the King in Yellow, and I'm like going from continent to continent with my army of undead. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. I'm glad, we, I'm glad I got to check it out. I would definitely play it again. Uh, well, I'm more curious about, you know, kind of sortorially and, uh, you know, like, did you grow a beard for this? Like try to get a week's beard in there? <laughs> Just to kind of, you know, fit in a little more. <laughs> well, I, I have had a beard for the last seven years, but I have a very uh, modest, mild, meek beard compared to the wizard beards that I saw rocked at WayneCon. Exactly, right? <laughs> yours is pretty Yours is pretty trimmed, right? It's pretty... It's not like the Gandalf and... Uh... Yeah, mine rarely goes more than a half an inch in length. And... You know, Wayne's got that big, bushy, long wizard beard, and so does uh, James Smith and uh, and Doug. Like, they've all got these big beards. Oh, yeah. I don't have one of those. I don't think I need one of those. It's okay. Uh, You're young yet. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of time it would take me to grow one of those just for WayneCon, <laughs> I, I think I would have to start letting it grow out now for next year's WayneCon to get something that would even hold up. Hmm, yeah. And, you know, they don't... They'll never tell you because they're such, you know, burly manly men. But they're they're spending hours grooming and oiling and taking care of oh, these of beards every are. day. I mean, this is not Absolutely. a small thing. There's a huge amount of They're conditioning it and spritzing it with fragrances. Oh, it's it's really a pain. I you know. So Mike Evans, he doesn't have a beard. He does uh, not. Was, no. <laughs> was his game for uh, hubris? No, Death is the New Pink is... Um, oh, I wish I could speak about this more eloquently. Cause because he, he did tell me which rule system it uses. It was not one that I had encountered before. I feel like it has the word odd in the title. It's a really simple rules light system. Oh, 
It's uh, it's into the odd. Yes, yes, yes. It's for into the odd. It uses the into the odd mechanics. Yes, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant system. I've I played it. Um, I ran it once and I loved it. It's just one of those weird things that I never had time to go back to. But I would love to run oodles of that. It's a great, really fun, easy system. Yeah, and the death is the new pink sum- pink supplement that he's put out for it is gorgeous. He was showing me the PDF of it, and it's just a, it's a stunning piece, and I'm excited to see it when it's finished and put out. Awesome. And next week? Well, this weekend I don't really have any gaming going on. I'm going to be out of the city relaxing in the Hamptons for Memorial Day weekend, so no gaming for me. But <laughs> after that, when I'm back, I will be at North Texas, and I'll be running Fates Fell Hand, and I'll be playing Bunnies and Burrows and Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea and some AD&D and DCC and lots of other stuff. It's my first North Texas RPG Con. And also, shortly after I get back, I believe I'm going to be joining in on one of Andy Action's BX games. Oh, cool. And I'm excited to see, yeah, I'm excited to see him on the other side of the judges screen running some BX very fun yeah and how about you jen um you know the focus has been as far as gaming goes um we've got the star wars thing every week we've got the ad and d game here at the house and it's deadlier than ever uh, the primary focus has actually been on the editing of course and We've been asked to kind of spearhead the Free RPG Day event for our friendly local gaming store, which is Dungeon Games, in case anyone's sick of me saying that. And <laughs> um, so we've got slots and tables set up that yeah, we're going to be running 12 hours of gaming over there. I think Bob's going to be doing some MCC and possibly some more MCC. Or no, uh, he might do Dark Trails. Cool. I know he's thinking of doing something from Transylvanian Adventures for one of the slots. Uh, Troy Tucker will be running um, Dark Trails at high noon. Mm. (laughs) And on my part, I'm trying to really encourage the new people coming in, especially since I haven't been able to make any of those women's groups. Uh, there's still a lot of people that want to get into role-playing and haven't yet because there's just not that many friendly faces around. So I'll probably do a couple of beginner-level adventures, maybe some not in Kansas anymore because that one's really fun. And you know there's going to be some Lankmar in there from me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be me otherwise. <laughs> so I just have to put the events together now. That is awesome. Are you doing any... You're, you're not at North Texas, are you? Unfortunately, I am not. Sorry. Okay. And are you planning on running any off-the-book Lankmar stuff at Gen Con, potentially? I could be bribed. Ah. Maybe. Well, if you Possibly. are, keep me posted, because I really <laughs> want to be in a Judge Gen Lankmar game. Just um, putting that out there to the universe. Totally depends on how much voice I have left. Gen Con is a performance gig, and I tend to blow out my voice while working the booth for uh, the Goodmans. Well, maybe we can have you whisper into Bob's ear, and then he can speak for you. That has happened, yes. (laughs) Enough of this silliness. 
<laughs> All right, let's get to the meat of this episode and summon us some emails. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who'll deliver the message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. Okay, we've got this mailbag. It hasn't really been properly shaken out for, well, a while. Uh, let's let's air this thing out, guys. All right. Julian, reach on in. <laughs> let's. Hey, before I dive in, let's uh, thank people. We had great response when we kind of tried to get back in the saddle here. Um, we we asked everybody, hey, send us some emails. We're low in the in the uh, email department, and people really responded. We got great uh, emails from people. In fact, we wanted to do an, an email episode because we actually were piling up, which is a great thing. So no problem there. Keep sending us emails, and if it seems like we're not getting to yours, we will stop periodically and do an email episode, and we will get there. So um, thank you again for sending them on. So my, f I'm going to read the first one here. This is a beautiful envelope here from uh, Judge Yob Gorgel. Great name. <laughs> uh, uh, here we go. Hi there. After knowing about Dungeon Crawl Classics for a while, I finally took the plunge a couple of months ago and recruited some of my old gaming buddies, plus one new guy, to try it out. We were playing by post using Slack, so it's slow going, but we're about halfway into Sailors and having a blast. One thing that I'm struggling with a little, though, is awarding XP. I know the system is left vague so that the judge can make their own interpretations, but I'm curious to hear your best practices. Do you award XP for everything in the encounter table? Or here's an even more concrete question. The players... So now we have a little hypothetical situation. The players enter a room where there's not much going on except for some treasure that's hidden and trapped. A few possible outcomes. Number one, they look around a bit, find nothing, and leave. Number two, they find a trap catch, decided they can't risk the traps, and leave. Number three, they find the catch, attempt to open it, and fail the check, triggering the trap and taking damage, but also getting the loot. Number four, they find it, attempt to open, succeed the check, and get the loot. Number five, they find it, cleverly figure out how to trigger the trap without risk, and get the loot. How would you award XP in each case? The rulebook talks about scaling it relative to the damage and resources expended, in which case option 3 would be the highest, but it seems obvious that you'd also want to reward clever gameplay, in which case option 5 and even 2 would be the most XP. To be honest, an episode on XP would be great if you haven't covered this already. I'm tearing through them, but haven't caught up to the latest yet. Great work, thanks. Judge Yabgorgle. P.S. My example is based on uh, this has been retracted in Sailors, but I thought I'd keep it spoiler-free. So, yes. <laughs> we uh, we honored your... Uh, well, I don't think your players would know the area, the room name, but, you know, it's all good. Don't worry about that. Um, what other people listening might? Well, I guess, but um, anyway, it's a great question, and I also think an XP uh, episode would be great. That's a pretty cool idea. Uh, Jeff, do you want to take a stab at this guy first? I generally just give people 10 XP at the end of the session. And also, if my players want to spend 100 gold pieces 
carousing, they can turn that into one point of experience as well. And that's all I really do. I don't go through and keep track of each encounter and determine how lethal I thought that encounter was. I, I keep it really simple for myself. No, that that is nice and simple. You are a heretic. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it, it I I don't really want to get bogged down in the minutia of, you know, they had a lot. I, I also, I don't want to get to a place where it encourages players just to constantly get into battles because if I'm only awarding XP based on battles, then that's, I guess, setting the tone for a game that I don't necessarily um, want to play, I guess. I, I don't I'm know. I'm with you on I, that. I, I want, yes. Yeah, I want I want my players to pursue whatever it is that interests them in the game. And maybe that is fighting monsters, and that's great if it is. But I don't want that to be the only thing that I'm rewarding my players for. And I know on the flip side of that, it could come up with a much more complicated system where I also reward XP for, like, you know, really good role-playing or for dealing with, you know, specific encounters with NPCs. I'm like, I'm like, I'd rather just keep it really easy and just say at the end of the session, you get 10 XP. And if you want to spend some gold, you can get some more. That's that, that works best for me. How about you, Jen? I, I'm a little opposite, but I don't do it per encounter or per puzzle or whatnot. I'll do it at the end of the session and kind of review what went on. And when I got to uh, this scenario, for instance, yeah, you know, if they decided they didn't want to risk the traps and they left without getting the loot, well, A, that's kind of better for me because then they have less gold to spend later on, and they exercise some good judgment and some caution, which is very rare within the murder hobos. So, yeah, I might actually give them a point extra for completely leaving the, the cash. But I do give like a, a estimate based on this area and this area and this area. And, you know, there was this NPC and the way they handled that was really crappy. So I might just give them one XP for that as opposed to four or five. Or, hey, they solved this really big overarching thing and that's going to be an extra ten. So it it is kind of a hard question to answer in the first place because it's all subjective and that's actually how it was written so uh julian how, you're, you're calling jeff a heretic um <laughs> what what's your method do you do you do it encounter by encounter uh i do and um uh, what i well i don't i well i don't give it to him after each encounter obviously but I do it at the end, but uh, I I actually try to you know I just make a list of all the encounters that they actually in, encountered, and then I assign a XP award to each of them, and give them all that same award. And I um, to to judge Yab uh, Gorgel's question, uh, it's a great question because in my uh, he gave he gave five uh, questions, right? And I think you guys have pretty much answered his questions. Um, and of course, it's a flat uh, it's a flat amount for you, Jeff. And you sort of assess things pretty much by the book, with maybe a little more subjective stuff in there, Jen, from what I heard. 
I, you know, try to I've tried to hew to the book because it's so light and easy. In fact, XP is one of the things, especially in the early days, I really liked about DCC. And it made a lot. First of all, it was just easy, and second of all, it made a lot of sense to me because if you encounter a big stone trap and a block falls on somebody or you know you learn something about the traps if you disarm the trap you learn something about the trap if you encounter some monsters and you run away you learn something about the monsters if you kill the monsters you also learn something about the monsters if it's you know i mean it doesn't in a way to me the outcome not to not to pass the buck uh judge job gorgle but the uh the outcome is actually not very important to me in if i think what i remember from the book this may not be as written but it was any encounters that you survive quote unquote um you know you learn from and they make you stronger as they say so uh i i pretty much anything that they get through now I award more, you know, for e- for hard stuff and less for easy stuff. But whether it's a trap or monster, you know, I, I try to say, hey, if it was a TPK, you get four. If it was pretty trivial, you get one. And after that, you know, you're trying to, you know, kind of slice the, what do they call it, split the hairs. Um, that's it. Yeah. Because it's easy enough to make hash marks after the fact. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I just kind of make a... You make a short list, you know, that's generally only going to be six to eight of real encounters, obviously. And definitely I include traps in that. And, uh, yeah. So we don't have too big of a split here. Do it how you feel comfortable. As much as you make fun of Jeff. (laughs) Oh, Jeff, I love you. Come on. You know know I'm messing with you. I know. I know. Okay. Uh, there's there's a lot. I think that one great thing about XP is it's one of the areas of DCC that because it's it's so elegantly great, but also totally simple to customize. However, you want. if you wanted to give a bonus points based on role playing, it would be very simple to do that. If you wanted to give a little extra for you know old school gold pieces gained and stuff killed you can easily do that you can also just get rid of the whole system and put in your completely different system and it'll also be fine so you know i i just i think it's terrific modular type design there well great thanks so much for the email judge yorb gorgle yob gorgle there we go (laughs) okay we've got a bag let's dig in jeff yeah, I've see, I see another email in here. Uh, here's one from Judge Cody M. Starts off with, Sup, guys. I have some, uh, some questions regarding conventions. I'm a fairly solitary creature that doesn't get a lot of social interaction on a regular basis. I work from home when I can and tend to keep to myself. That being said, the idea of traveling to a con filled to the brim with people, however minded they may be, terrifies me. I've judged a few games in the past, and had a solid, solid weekly home game campaign rolling with my family before I moved out of state. I've recently committed to running a weekly online game with some people that I've never played with and a few of my regular gaming buddies in an effort to break out of my lonely shell. I'm pretty sure you guys have answered questions like this. Uh, what would you do if you're a con virgin? But what would you do if you're a con virgin who has a hard time being around people? What would be the best con to start out with for someone like me? Maybe there's a smaller con out there that would be a good that would be good to test the waters. 
I want to become more active in the community by attending cons and meeting my heroes, Doug, Harley, you guys, Mr. Goodman, I'm not worthy, etc. <laughs> it's all just a little intimidating. Thanks, aspiring judge Cody M. P.S. I've only recently, within the last month, started listening to podcasts in general. You guys are by far my favorite, followed closely by Jason Hobbs' podcast. <laughs> Keep up the good work. And thank you for all you guys do for the community. You are all collectively the man. This Aww. this email was so great until that last bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just no no you no, know, no no come on. We're still Julian. We're still he said the you are by far by far my favorite. Followed oh, by. Yes. Followed. Followed by. It's... Followed by. It's... Yes. Well, that is confusing because if you are by far my favorite, then it says followed closely by. Oh, okay, don't don't pick nits, guys. Come on. But still, we are by far his favorite. Well, the rule of precedent <laughs> says by far gets more weight than followed closely. So, mm. I'm I'm going with that. <laughs> so, an right. answer to Cody's question. <laughs> yeah, Jen, what would what do you think would be a good con for somebody who like Cody here? Uh, is a little intimidated by the idea of the sprawling throngs. You know, I'm I'm going to avoid something like a little local con because having experienced some of those, that can be even more awkward. I would honestly say if if you're into things like DCC and the whole OSR genre, do North Texas. It it's less than 600 I believe and it's still by by the end of the convention every face you pass is familiar it it feels you know there's no judgment being thrown out at you from one direction or another everyone's all there for the same thing and it's really really welcoming I mean my hands down favorite is Gary Khan but that's at least Oh, geez. I think they had 1,700 people this past year. I think that's what Luke said the final count was. And that could still be overwhelming. And I, I totally get that. At least with the, the much smaller one, you can still step outside, get some air. You know, everything's under one roof, but you can escape back to your room if you need to without a huge to-do about it. So I, I would say Texas. What about you guys? Well, so far, I've only been to Gen Con and Gary Con, and Gen Con obviously is not the con to recommend to Cody M here. <laughs> no. <laughs> because for your 600 people no. <laughs> who are at North Texas, you've got 60,000 people at Gen Con, and at any given moment, you're just surrounded by people. And to be fair, that 600 is generous. I think the cap is around six or 700, mm -hmm. and less than 300 showed last year. Okay, okay. And they just doubled the cap this year, so I'm going with a guesstimate. Sure. But it's super small comparatively. And in addition to it being super small, it also still has a, a, a high level of attendance from the kinds of people that it seems like Judge Cody here is hoping to run into. You know, Doug, Harley, us, Joe Goodman. You get a lot of those kinds of people at North Texas in addition to a lot of the TSR greats. So although there's a, there aren't very many people there and there's a high number 
of uh, people who are part of the industry who might be exciting to meet in person and play games with. I just, wait, I want to break in and say, I love, again, how Cody is using order here. Doug, Harley, us, Mr. Goodman. It's, you know, like, <laughs> he's got his priorities straight. Uh, nobody's getting in front of Doug, so that's good. You know. <laughs> I would never presume to step in front of Harley. Exactly. And then, you know, this Joseph Uh, guy behind us, you know, yes. Come along, Mr. Goodman. So that's... Um, It's a protective formation, honest. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll give him a hard time on the show sometime. Hmm. <laughs> Here's open, <laughs> and then we get pulled off the air. <laughs> so, what's your answer for this one, Julian? Sorry, did it, Jeff? Did I cut you off there? That was no, uh, not at all. I didn't really have much more to say. Uh, all I can say is um, I've heard everything. I've heard so much that you guys have just said about North Texas. Uh, exactly, you know, maps to what I've heard about that. So it sounds like the best place. Uh, I would maybe add, uh, I think Gamehole Con has some of that feel. It's kind of Gary Con in the autumn, but it's definitely smaller and a little more intimate. And it also increasingly has had, uh, you know, I mean, Brendan is there, Doug is there, at least, well, I'm for sure there, and you guys came last year, Jen. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, I don't know if you're planning to go to Gamehole, but uh, it's it's really it is a um, it's a really good like North Texas. Um, I think at least it's it's small, and you you do and Mensner is there, and you you get some chances to really see the old guard, which is just terrific. So I would say um, if for whatever reason North Texas doesn't work out schedule wise, uh, you could certainly consider Gamehole Con uh, as a strong. Uh, thought as well. It's in the, uh, I believe the first week of November. And, you know, I think what Jen was saying, uh, also about, you know, you don't have to over schedule yourself. You can put yourself in one or two games and then you can also sit in your room and watch a movie and decompress or go down to the bar and just talk to a couple random people one-on-one. And, you know, you can sort of probably, you I think when you're a newbie and you go to games, man, the first time I went to Gen Con, I literally scheduled 12 hours of gaming a day for four days. <laughs> I, I mean, it was completely bonkers. And, I, of course, I would never do that again. And at that point, you forget who you've met. Oh, it was it was <laughs> crazy. But there was so much stuff. I was like a kid in the candy store. I just wanted to try everything. But, you know, it's not that... I mean, of course, I had a blast, but give yourself some breathing time if you know that people, you know, just giant crowds and and being at a table with six random people is going to stress you out occasionally. Then you know, give yourself a little downtime, and uh, you know, treat yourself to a hot bath or a <laughs> good movie or Excellent do advice. what I do: lay in <laughs> lay in the dark and drink scotch and listen to your uh, iPod for an hour or whatever. You know, it's all good. All right. All right. Digging in further, we've got some more to get through here. Uh, this one comes to us from Chris Tanglebone's Loricella. He says, I had some thoughts I wanted to share in response to the recent discussion of when one should consider taking up the mantle of GM and step behind the screen. First off, I wish to underline the fact that anyone who wants to try their hand at being a GM should jump in with both feet and do it. 
I have probably made every mistake possible behind the screen, and people still come back for more. So nothing I say should be construed as discouraging anyone from trying their hand at running a game. That said, if I could pass one bit of hard-won experience on to a new GM, it is this. Spend whatever amount of time is needed to become very comfortable with your adventure. This is different from bogging yourself down in minutia. It is, however, close to having the outline of the adventure committed to memory. When you do this, you will find you begin to look up from your notes and truly interact with your table. We all want our players to describe what they're doing instead of searching for a stat or a skill that allows them to do something. As GMs, we should strive for something similar. We should know our material well enough so we, too, look up from our prepared material and actually talk to our players. When this happens, when players are looking up from their character sheets and describing what they see their characters are doing, and the GM is similarly looking up from the notes and responding by describing what they see as the outcome, that is when the magic really happens. And this is what I strive for, a well-prepared adventure which I could almost run from memory. Will I have to improvise? Of course. Will I have to riff off the unexpected actions of my players? Absolutely. That's why this game is fun. Then all this prep is wasted? Not a bit. All that prep, like a well-rehearsed musician, gives me the confidence and the freedom to roll with the unexpected. Just my two cents worth. Chris Tanglebone's Loricella. Well said, Chris. Thank you. Good advice. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think any of us can shake a fist at that. And that is... Although, mm-hmm. although, oh. I do, I do love... <laughs> If if anybody is a Knights of the Dinner Table fan, I'm a I'm a passionate fan. Um, you know that in the Knights of the Dinner Table world, there is a I believe the GMs the DM they uh, what do they call them? Oh gosh, the Hackmaster. No, anyway, they have a, a of course they have a special terminology, but they're just the DMs. <laughs> but and Hackmaster, of course, is a parody of old school D and D. But they have a they, you have to get certified as a dungeon master, right? Like they have a whole program, and you have to. You, there's grades of it and everything like that. So um, that could be really fun if we had a certification thing for DCC judges, and you know, maybe a test, a Julian? learner's permit, and a test, Julian. and a. Julian, really? <laughs> you, you know, I'm just going to tell you to read the next email, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're getting right in line there with the ones that are trying to hire themselves out. And uh, no, there is there is no such thing as one judge being, you know, certified as better than another. Because if there was, Doug and Harley would be like the originals and we all suck. So uh, I'm okay with that. Who, who gets to administrate the program? That would be the fun part, though. Yeah, see, it, if you put Doug in charge of that, he's just going to fail everybody. Yeah, everybody's failed. And, <laughs> yeah, so there there's not really a hierarchy there. That's why you need to put Brendan in charge. Well, I'm... <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. What we need to do is clone Brendan so there's like six Brendans sitting at our table and then they judge us. <laughs> Okay, never mind, never mind. <laughs> nope, 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 we're not going. Nope. One of the things... All right, sorry, hey, that was a little bit... Somebody read us an email. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes. Um, well said, Tangle Bones, and moving on. Uh, from some guy named DM Kojo. Kojo! 
Who's that? Ah, oh, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, judges. I thought I would write in to report on the most excellent adventure known as Gary Con 9. First off, it was great to spend time with the three judges, Jay, and to meet judges Julian and Jeff in person. You were all doing a great job carrying on the Spellburn tradition. This was my fourth GaryCon, and the third from my friend Michael Fanton. We both agreed it was the best one yet. My highlights included running two games of my own creation. My funnel, The Island of Gonterzap, included Steven Newton as a player, and also introduced DCC to a couple of new players. My fourth level adventure, Portal to the Plane of Probability, also was well received. I also ran two sessions of Star Frontiers, and Judge Forrest from the Glowburn podcast was the sole survivor of one of those sessions. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, although I will say, try harder. Come on. Um, <laughs> get him. Uh, but hi, Judge Forrest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love you. Okay, I won two foam board art prints of the new Lankmar box set by Doug Kovacs and the good, at the Goodman Games Raffle. I participated in the Strongest Judge Contest. It was a failure, but I'm blaming my extra long arms for that. <laughs> it is always great to see so many old friends and to make new ones. Played vi- uh, Villains and Vigilantes with Jeff D. Okay, I'm so jealous. <laughs> yeah, that's my <laughs> side note. Sorry. Played Metamorphosis Alpha with John Hook. Nice. Kind of jealous of that, too. Learn that Goodman Games is going to reprint, out-of-print D&D modules with 5e conversions. And anybody, of course, who listened to our uh, what's good? What's new with Goodman Games? Of course, you guys heard that story. Um, sorry, sorry to digress, Kojo. Anyway, back to your email. It was an amazing convention, and Goodman Games was well represented. I also have one small request: when MCC comes out, would you guys consider doing a superhero crossover show with the Glowburners? <laughs> it would be great to hear you both discuss the book from the perspectives of running it as written, and also for incorporating it into your DCC campaign, or vice versa. Burn on burners, DM Kojo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say yes. I would, I would say, say oh, yes. Yeah. I think that's yeah for sure. Well, you notice I he didn't sure ask if that. we'd do a crossover with Hobbs. Probably because uh, well, he knows better or something. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he <laughs> cut probably because he knows Hobbs. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> it's. I think that's an excellent idea. I would love to do that, and uh, yeah, I'm, no question about it. I think we should have a, I think we should have a um, secret wars, or I'm thinking since he called it a superhero crossover, I'm trying to think of the b- crisis on infinite games or secret wars or <laughs> um, house of D, house of DCC or something. I don't know, but uh, I will. We'll work on that. We'll reach out to Forrest. He likes to. He he I think he's gonna like that idea quite a bit, so let's do it. So we can probably look at doing something sometime after Gen Con. Makes sense. It could probably happen. Yeah. And much love to Michael too. You guys are both great, Kojo. You're awesome. Send us more mail. Yes, please. But not that much. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and here we have an email from Judge Jeremy. It says greeting Judges Jay. I have recently started an open table DCC game at my friendly local gaming store. I was trying to coordinate schedules and drum up interest with longtime players, but found this to be very stressful in my attempts to find that perfect time when we could all meet. Now I schedule the game on Facebook and never know who will be there, though I have two regulars. 
I maintain a campaign arc and have, simple, have ample pre-gens ready for drop-in players. One player has three first-level characters, and she loans out her dwarf to anyone who wants to play as well. I have found this exhilarating. Different play styles and approaches, campaign focus over character focus, and an aim for more episodic games. Could you talk a bit more about any experiences you've had with open table games? Do you have any problem players? How much continuity do you have between games, campaign, and player? What is the most rewarding aspect of open table play? What is the most challenging? And last, thank you for your continued DCC evangelism. I appreciate that Spellburn continues in the spirit of the band. Though the cast may change, it is all about the love of the game. P.S. I like the continued Judges J rule. I think this is a great email. And if you guys don't mind, I'll go ahead and start because uh, I've been dealing with a lot of these kinds of issues specifically in my meetup group. And one of my concerns was initially was how do I make sure that I don't end up having, you know, 15 people show up for a game and then not really knowing how to handle that, which is why I ultimately decided to do the group through Meetup because I could cap the registration. Right. Yeah. And I, I found Meetup to be very helpful. The one problem with Meetup is it's not free. If you want to create your own Meetup group, you have to pay for that. Uh, although if you can if you can piggyback this on to some kind of generic role-playing game meetup group that exists in your community that doesn't mind you adding your own games in there, then that's not going to cost you a penny. Uh, but you can do it through meetup. They can, uh, they can cap the registration there. The bit about problem players is also an interesting question and a timely one. My meetup group now, <laughs> yeah, my meetup group has been going on for about eight months now. It's been around since August. And so far, we've been really blessed. Like, the, the, for, for the most part, the people who have been showing up are friendly, they're engaged, they have good hygiene, they uh, have reasonable social skills, they're fun people to play with. And occasionally, we'll get the odd person here or there who, you know, may not fit into one of those categories. And oftentimes they don't usually return, thankfully. Uh, but there, there has been somebody who's attended a, a few games recently that, you know, some people have been complaining about. And the question is, what do we do with that person? Because the person's not doing anything malicious. They're not being threatening. They're not being rude to anybody. They, they just kind of, they're a little off-putting to some of the people at the table. And me and some of my, uh, the, the, some of the people who I run the games with in my group, we've had some emails about this back and forth. And ultimately, we just kind of decided on, like, there really is nothing we really can or should do about this. We'll just focus on the people who bring the most to the game and continue running games for the public because that's just kind of a risk you run when you're playing games for the public. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> um, yeah, so about that meetup thing, uh, <laughs> it's, it is really left up to the toss of the dice. I mean, you could end up with really cool players yeah. or not. I mean, we jumped into ours, you know, piggybacking onto something that already existed and then they just let us take it over. And... We started at a friendly local gaming store, uh, I, I want to say just under five years ago, where we did alternating Sundays of 
you know, AD&D and DCC. And there would be some people that showed up for both, or some people would only be able to show up once a month. And for the most part, um, I would have them, you know, if they weren't sure they were coming back, or if they knew they were coming back, but they, they weren't sure about the characters, I had them have me hold on to them. You know, th there's always the guy that likes to leave everything on the floor of the car and then, oh, I can't find my character sheet. Uh, that gets distracting as well. So there was a, a lot of saved characters, but I would always give new characters to the ones coming into the table. You know, even if it's just a pair of zeros, that way they have their own characters and they don't have to try to fit a particular mold because the campaign is continuing with or without these characters because there's always a core few that are going to show up and, and carry it on. The one notable difference of that was a new player who started with Bob's first dead game. He had never roleplayed before and he was like 16 or something. And he was phenomenal. And he sat down at my table and had a character as a zero level we were playing through the jewels of the carnifex and we had to pause at such a, a crucial point halfway through but i was handing out xp is like okay so that means when i come back or when this character comes back it's level one and it's going to be a cleric of the carnifex and if i can't be here someone else needs to play it okay as long as i get your permission man and then, bless his heart, Chris Carpenter came in the next weekend, or the next time the game was played, and he took that character, and he just, yeah, it, it shined. Shone? It shined. Yeah, it's a jewel. It's gonna shine. <laughs> <laughs> but there are the problem players that sit at the table and do nothing but, okay, great, the party's going over there. I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> I'm gonna go the complete opposite direction, and sure. I'm gonna try to solve this whole level and if it means blowing up the dungeon on everybody else so be it and that happened a few times including the destruction of wish rings and i really really was not happy with having him at my table because it was just such an energy drain and i kind of got my wish on my birthday a couple of years ago he opened his mouth with some ignorance about shall we say um religion and or politics and the resulting verbal fight that I was not part of, mind you mm. uh, resulted in him leaving the game store and the store owner banned him. There's always the option of a third party stepping in you know, in the form of your game store owner if you're really truly malicious or have a malicious player at your table I should say Absolutely. And also, sometimes the actions of the person that's making the group uncomfortable might not even be a malicious action. Like one of the examples here, I, I was not at the game last week because I was down at WayneCon, but one of the examples that somebody was sharing with me by email was one of the players was just kind of on their cell phone the whole time, and their cell phone also had these annoying alerts that kept going off during the game session. And it's lovely that the judge who was running it didn't want to like upset anybody, but I personally would have had no problem saying, can you please turn that off? Or can you please not use that at the table? No phones at the table, guys. We're playing a game. We're playing this game. Absolutely. 
And I have no problem setting those kinds of boundaries at my table. I hundred percent. Well, at least at least no loud alerts. I mean, it's one thing to check your mail once or twice, but good grief. Well, during the Lankmar playtesting, we had to say no phones at the table at all because you, know, you can't take pictures of this stuff. It's the, you know, you're not signing an NDA, but you kind of are by your presence. You know, because we've made everything clear up front. And someone pulled out his phone. He's like, I'm sorry, my wife's calling. Okay, okay. You know, <laughs> we're not going to say, you know, go home and get yourself divorced. But <laughs> they're... There's a limit. No, stop checking Facebook. Stop playing your game. No. It, yeah, there, there's different levels of disruptive. Yeah, I mean, there is... Uh, I've had a couple bad experiences in the last uh, six months, and, you know, there. I've just seen some kind of weird... sort of weird behavior, and also not exactly where I expected it. Um, I'm not going to just go into all the gory detail, but... Uh, just try to be sensitive to first of all just i think the thing is to try to be sensitive to how other people are feeling um i had a weird situation in my home table where a friend of mine was acting you know not a close friend but a guy i know who's more or less a friend who was just way over the line with somebody else at the table and that the person in question was feeling real uncomfortable with that and um i didn't totally pick up on it but uh but afterward they let me know that that was a pretty bad scene and i felt i was just mortified it was really so yeah i just i don't ever want that kind of stuff you know it's it's very hard when you know somebody does something at the table and you go okay, maybe I didn't hear that right. You know, maybe this guy's not doing what I... Th maybe, okay, I'm going to cut them a break, you know, for I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, and then, you know, another hour or two goes by, and you're like, oh, my God, did he just... Did he say that again? And, like, there's no easy answer. I mean, we have... You know, everything's subjective because people surprise you with the nutty stuff that they will do and say. Yeah. I have rarely... I'll, I'll, my only advice is this, because I've, I think I've been good about it, and I've probably also had times where I wasn't as observant or as active about it as I could have been, and I felt bad afterwards. And I will say this: I've only felt bad about it afterwards when I didn't do, when I didn't take action. I never felt like I was that I I never felt if I said something that I was out of line because if I did, I was very I tried to be very respectful about it and tried to be very open about it and say hey i'm not calling you a racist but what you said there seemed you know i don't know if where you're going with this but right. let's not engage in that you know we're at a game table and let's you know let's just get that out of here and uh you know and that that kind of thing it's it's one of those things where you don't want to be the person who who didn't address something. So that's my advice is, yeah. you know, as long as uh, nobody's going to get hurt, you know, for sure, you want to make sure everybody feels comfortable and welcome at the table, and especially because we were all freaking nerds at one point, right? I mean, uh, this is the thing. I mean, I remember for many years, as you know, in, the, in my younger years, I, I would really have a very open mentality about people joining games because... You know, we're we were all frickin' nerds in high school. That's you know, <laughs> I mean, we all we gaming was a place we'd get together. So, absolutely. So I feel real passionate about that. On the one hand, 
and and I really I have a kind of a high bar, but obviously that you know there are things that are just way over the line. Making anybody at the table feel uncomfortable, you know, personally and physically is probably over the bar. And uh, and and it's a safe place. You know, there obviously there are some lines verbally that you can't cross. I'm not going to even go into that, but <laughs> I think you know you know what you've done. <laughs> I I do have to say though this character. This player who's loaning out that dwarf character, she rocks. Because that is definitely a team player, and yeah, I think we've pretty much beaten this horse dead, right? There actually are a few more questions in here, but I, I feel like we could devote an entire episode to public gaming. Like th- this is such a rich topic. That we could, I think we could spend the entire rest of the episode just talking about this. Yeah, I mean, and Jared, Jared certainly talked about that a lot in the uh, selling the game uh, episode that we did. I mean, some aspects of that, maybe not. We he talked about the nitty gritty of you know how to do it and stuff a lot, which was pretty cool. Open table play is great because you never know who's gonna. You know, we did a, I ran keep at the Borderlands one session at the FLGS Tower Games in Minneapolis a few months back, six months ago or whatever. And the ten-year-old kid showed up and joined us. Mm-hmm. It was it was so amazing. They're in the keep in Keep of the Borderlands, and they haven't even gone anywhere, or done anything yet. And he's like, "I'm gonna go to the guy in the plate mail and pick his pocket." And I'm like, <laughs> "Dude, you're ten years old. That's awesome. That's so ten years old. That's just <laughs> like everybody's first D and D game." I'm like. Yeah, he's a huge dude in plate mail, you know, you man. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna totally pick his pocket. You know, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty great. So. And for for all the negatives that are out there about things like meetup and public play in general. Yeah, the the various uh, potluck tables, you really can end up with some total gems too. Absolutely. I mean, there's I could fill an entire table with the people that we have met out here that I would happily have to my home for a holiday dinner and have. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're family at this point. Yep. Absolutely. So, I, and I've had great experiences meeting a lot of gamers and we're still, you know, I've met many, almost all of my gamers via some form of internet over the last seven, eight years and um, it's worked out really well. So, you know, be safe. Uh, you know, don't have a bunch of people you've never met all at once over at your home at the same time. You know, there are some yeah. basic, <laughs> basic internet safety tips. Um, yeah. However, meet in, <laughs> in a public place first and all that good stuff. Maybe a few times, but um, generally speaking, um, yeah, I, I I would say we we harped on problem players, but uh, that those experiences are. Way first of all, they're way less than the bad GMs I've had at Gen Con. Yeah. And second of all, few and far between. I mean, relative to how yeah. many great folks we've met, right? Yes. Jeff, I'm with you. I guess we we really could dig on this email a little bit more. It, it's pretty meaty, but um, it is. We still have a couple emails left, but Judge Jeremy, thank you so much for the uh, raucous beginning. <laughs> yes. And thanks, thanks for getting out there and running an open table game. That's great. That's what we, you know, that's why we do Spellburn. We'd love to everybody that hears us to go out and do that. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay. Yes, I, I guess it's my turn again. Uh, this one comes to us from uh, Judge Tanglebones again. Just boosting the signal a little, 
I wanted to let the group know after I heard a call that more Friday and Saturday night games were needed for North Texas RPG Con, I decided to go ahead and run my DCC character funnel version of B1 in the search of the unknown. So if anyone who is planning to attend are looking for some DCC action Friday or Saturday night, stop on by. And I believe at the time of this recording we have a total of one ticket left for those tables. I will be running this twice more at Gen Con, as well as my DCC character funnel, Tomb of Horrors. Yeah, I know it sounds absurd, but it really works well. The idea here is that the characters represent a band of peasants who are hired by the real adventurers just to dig out the mouth of the tomb, with the promise of bags of silver for each of them when the adventurers return from the tomb. Several days later and the adventurers have not returned, the stalwart among the peasants decide to venture into the tomb, looking for what was promised. Okay, Tanglebones, um, that sounds like a lot of fun, yeah, and I, now I'm now I'm really sad I won't be there. <laughs> sad, sad, no. birthday thing for Dad, milestone, blah, blah, blah. So the, the whole clan's getting together. It'll be good. That's well, that's clan nice. with a C. <laughs> I'm sad you won't be there, too. We will miss everyone, and everyone should stop by there. Julian, that sounds up your alley. Um... DCC conversions of yeah. I I might have to check that out. That that does sound like a complete blast. And I'm embarrassed to say I've never played in Tomb of Horrors, and I would love to see this as a DCC <sighs> fun. I know it's a classic. I, I know I just lost a lot of my cred by saying that, uh, but it's true. I've not played in Tomb of Horrors. I've not even read Tomb of Horrors without any without knowing any spoilers. Don't worry. It's not like you said it on a podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're editing or anything. No, yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'll, I'll cut this entire part out. Nobody will know my shame. Yes, good, good. Brilliant. We'll never speak of this again. Okay, so go see Judge Chris slash Tanglebones slash Laricella, whatever he's calling himself these days. And uh, I did check, and I'm happy to say that Chris is game uh, looks, I guess there's two sessions and it looks like that is already going to be quite well attended. I think there was one ticket open for one of the sessions. So if you are hearing this and planning to be there, and I think this is going to drop right before the NT, then uh, you might try to get into the game. Even if it's full, you should. You can always often bag a, a extra chair there anyway, so go show up anyway. Oh yeah. Yes, very friendly that way. And when this episode drops, it'll be just a few days after Con registration begins, so there may still be openings for his Gen Con games at that point. Ooh, excellent point. But probably not. <laughs> probably not. Everything will be will be filled up this on Sunday. What were yeah. Four hundred slots or something silly like that. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think we had hundred fifty DCC events. So it's wow. going to Jeez. yeah, it's going to be terrific. That's amazing! It's I terrific. love it. <laughs> oh, that is going to be one rabid little room. Okay, you know I think we got time for another one, maybe. Okay, pick me, pick me. Jump in. All right, okay. It's almost empty. You can fit. Okay, yes. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going into the bag. I'm going. I'm trying to. Oh, here's one left. Okay, I got one. I got one more. Okay. Um... This one is from Tony Hogard, 
and he says, Greetings, Judges Jay. I'm a longtime listener and have had the pleasure of DCC play at the tables of several of the estimable Spellburn judges, all at North Texas RPG Con. I look forward to gaming with Judge Julian in June at his Nowhere City Night session. Awesome. That sounds fun. Yay! I'm glad to hear it. Look forward to meeting you, Tony. Uh, in episode 50, y'all discuss fun ways to introduce DCC to, newcom- uh, to newcomers, and Michael Curtis described a scenario in which the party members start falling through the air, start off falling through the air with 60 minutes of real time before impact with the ground. Purely coincidentally, at our last regular online game, the judge had the session begin with the party falling through the air with 60 minutes of real time before impact with the ground. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. That's wild. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Keep up the fantastic <laughs> episodes. Excelsior, Tony Hogarth. Uh, Judge Tony, well... Uh, that's awesome. That's amazing. So, yes. I, I and regret nothing. I, that's an... <laughs> what a coincidence. I just can't even believe that. I mean, that's just... Think of the odds of that happening. Mm-hmm. It's... Purely coincidental. Wow. Yeah. It's... Uh, well, obviously, uh, that judge has terrific taste... And in at least in podcasts, and you know, I have nothing else to say about it. Uh, learn from the best with Judge Michael is going to lay some great ideas on us for free in a podcast. I would definitely steal from the best every time. A plus would listen again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think the part he Tony is neglecting to tell us is whether or not they lived through it. That's a good point. Hmm. Just gonna have to write back. I would not even mind a. F- I w- in fact, I would quite enjoy, Tony, if you're listening, a follow-up email, with a brief, but uh, thrilling, d- colorful description <laughs> of how that session went. Yes, brief and thrilling. Or even cut and dried, just to piss him off. You know, <laughs> that, that's pretty perfect to take us out on then. Um, so, email bags just about empty and nice and fresh now. Got a Email us at theband at spellburn.com and refill this bag for us. You can, I don't know, follow us on Twitter, follow us individually on the usual social media places. Leave us ratings on iTunes. Do we have any fresh ones, Jeff? (laughs) I don't have that prepared at all. Have we not? (laughs) That's okay. So leave us a rating on iTunes if you feel so inclined. I'm sure Jeff will be happy to read it on our next show. And um, yeah, refill the mailbag, guys. We're we're nice and shiny and like I said, we gave the summoning circle a fresh coat of paint and we're working on some big things for you in the coming months. We better put some nice shiny things inside that summoning circle, huh? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Guys, any last words? Uh, just that we are looking forward to seeing some of you at North Texas uh, in about a week's time and uh, many, many more of you at Gen Con in August. It's going to be a blast. Absolutely. I had the pleasure of meeting a lot of people at Gen Con, meeting a bunch more at Garricon, and now I'm excited to meet a whole new slew of folks at North Texas. And some of you who are at all of them are going to start to get sick of my face, but that's all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I can live with that. I think that's the real reason I'm not going this year. That's okay. Give people a break, right? <laughs> I told Doug that by the end of the con season, he's just going to have laughing Jeff heads just swirling around his head every time he closes his eyes. That's not nightmare fuel at all, Jeff. <laughs> just my head going, ha, 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 ha. So about that empty mailbag. Sorry, Doug. Uh, <laughs> We're okay with hate meal, too. Bring it. No, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time. Yeah, everyone, have a good night. Good night, guys. Game on. Keep the DCC spell burning. You've been listening to Spellburn. Copyright 2017. Theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com.